Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most cowardly podcast network. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watched Ready or Not. Ready or Not is a 2019 comedy horror film directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olfen and Tyler Gillett. The film stars Samara Weaving, a bride whose wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying and deadly game. How good was this movie, boys? This was a, this was a bloody delight. That's what this movie was. We saw it together. It was beautiful. It was bloody... It's, it's very funny. It was. More funny than scary. This is the blend of horror that I like. The yes. the funny horror. Yeah. There were genuine scares. There was genuine, you know, fear and terror at times. But overwhelmingly, I was having a good time. Yeah, if if you can be happy while also being horrified, I find that's a combination I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I I think this is the this is the good this is the good wheelhouse of horror for for us as a trio, I think, because For sure. Horror lends itself so nicely to absurdity and absurd comedy. And so this is this is the perfect place for us. This is where we horror should live permanently here for us forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of the Samara Weaving brand as well. Like she's in several of these. Like they're classified as horror, but they're actually like just entertaining and, and pretty funny. Yeah, it's sort of that um over the top horror while while just littered with good jokes. It's that real black comedy that I don't know, it just works very well. And for whatever reason, she get, she can pull off incredibly well. Yeah, she's awesome in this. She does a really good job. In fact, she's so awesome, my voice just broke describing how awesome she is. Um, <laughs> yeah, and she's awesome right from the bat because I, I re-watched this actually just the other day with Holly, my wife. And we we're talking about how it, it really works because she is so charming right from the get-go. She's got a very little amount of time to make herself incredibly likable before the shit starts raining down on her <laughs> and she nails it she's just like you can't help but think well this chick's cool i want her to do okay and then know that everything is not going to be okay it, it it immediately it immediately means that they can generate the fear and the horror because you care what happens to her within 30 seconds yeah so all of a sudden i'm like oh no Oh, oh no! Yeah. So even though there is funny moments and there is comedy and there's sort of like actiony stuff as well, the moments of terror and the moments of anticipation and dread of what's going to happen to her are real because 
we love this girl. We want her to survive. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the moment, it, it happens, like, pretty early on. It's when, like, shit has gotten serious. She knows she's in trouble. And he, her husband, takes her down, like, the secret passageway or whatever and mm. then gives her instructions and leaves her alone. And then that's when I, like, sat there and thought, my God, she's, a like, a brilliant actress. She's, she's yeah. absolutely nailing this role. Yes. She's just fucking brilliant. Yeah, her ability to act... Terrified, so genuinely terrified. Like there are times where her scream. There's one very I'm jumping ahead, but there's one right at the end when literally the family's like crowding in on her, and I think she's got a gun or something at this point. And she lets out this scream. This genuine. I'm like, that's a banshee scream. That is like shrill, brittle. That is someone on the very edge of breaking. The banshee scream. It's good. I mean, is it weird that like her name sounds like she could be a banshee? Like the name Samara Weaving sounds like, oh, that'd be the curse of old Samara Weaving up on the hill, <laughs> crying out for her husband who died at sea. Like, <laughs> how is she never on Neighbours or Home and Away or anything like that? She was. Oh, she was? She was. Yeah, she absolutely was. Oh, fuck. Which one? Uh, she was on the one that Margot Robbie wasn't on. Right. Because she could so easily be a stand in for Margot Robbie. I mean, she could. Oh, definitely. <laughs> they she look so much like Margot Robbie. I remember seeing the trailer and honestly thought it was Margot Robbie. I'm going to look this up on uh, on IMDb. I think Margot Robbie did Neighbours. Uh, well, maybe maybe Samara Weaving's done it as well. While you're looking that up, could you confirm something for me, Tom? Yeah. Uh, I think I read that Samara Weaving is Hugo Weaving's niece. Okay. Uh, she was okay. No, she was Home and Away. So Margot Robbie was Neighbours. She was Home and Away. Yeah. Uh, let's go to some trivia about she is the niece of Hugo Weaving. Yep, first trivia fact. Oh, there you go. What a family. Uh, Beautiful. <laughs> one of her other trivia facts is that she bears a resemblance to other Australian actress Margot Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> is that a trivia fact? I don't know if that counts, to be honest. <laughs> it's a huge resemblance. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like I, I'm looking. Okay, I've just looked at a picture of Samara Weaving. All right, now I'm going to flick back and I'm going to just have a quick look at Margot Robbie, and I'm going to see if there actually is, or if we've all just been like, I mean, there is. They they do look freakishly similar. Yeah, they yeah. really do. Are we a hundred percent sure they weren't just both built in a lab for like incredibly <laughs> talented Australian actresses? Is is Robbie a secret weaving, perhaps part of that clan? Ooh. Oh. Is there a secret? So. Secret? Because then there's like a A-list Australian entertainment dynasty going on here, which I'm very much <laughs> on board for. Uh, they're two years apart in age. Just I've looked at their birthdays. So that's some more trivia for you. So you know, <laughs> okay, maybe great. they, maybe maybe one's a clone of the other. Yeah, I love this <laughs> private eye Tom on the case. It's great. Oh. You're such a good sleuth. It's, Tom. it's my calling. <laughs> the IMDb detective. Oh. Yeah, IMDb PD. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) I'm going to jump back to this movie for a minute because the premise alone, I can't remember which one of you guys told me about this movie because I think I'm pretty certain one of you uh, introduced it to me to say that we should all go watch it together. But the premise alone of a board game family that has some pact with the devil is just, it's just beautiful. I think it was the old uh, Cargill Twitter recommendation. Oh, definitely, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes Delivers sense. the goods again. I'll follow that man on Twitter. Bloody hell. He's a treasure trove of just like new releases, but also just like weird, like just classic movies, particularly horror stuff. He loves his horror. Mm. What's his actual name? I know it's C. Robert Cargill. Is it Christopher? That is a wonderful question. I have no idea. It's C. We, we, we love this bloke. <laughs> it's right there. 
No, but what's the C stand for? You just think it's C. It stands C for C. C. Yeah, okay. C stands for C, mate. Fuck. So if you were his friend, you'd be like, hey, C. No, I'd call him uh, Mr. Cargill <laughs> out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. But yeah, what, what a recommendation. Because straight away, I'm like, you, you can tell there's a goofiness to the premise alone that they then absolutely stuck. They, they nailed it because... It's a great premise. It's like anything with board games, to be honest. It makes me think of, obviously, Jumanji or something like that. Anything with board games, I'm already on board for, because I love board games. So, bring it on. <laughs> more board game movies? Yes. more. Bo- well, no. Hold on. I'm going to stop there, because <laughs> there have been some pretty horrendous Battleship board game movies. Hey, Battleship's sick. What do you think's worse in the history of cinema? Do you think board game movies are worse or video game movies? Oh, mate. That's oh, I think video game movies. Yeah. Because board game movies have like the the high point is probably Jumanji. Yep. Is there a better one than Jumanji or a more, more iconic one? There's Clue, which is Clue's fucking. Great. Oh yeah, yeah. Clue's very okay. Good. Now Clue's dumb and fun, and it knows it's dumb and fun. Whereas a lot of video game movies are serious movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just watch Assassin's Creed and be disappointed. <laughs> uh, but what I what I like is movies about board games more so than movies based off of board games. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I think gotcha. that's. So, like, Jumanji or Ready or Not, where a board game is, like, the either the MacGuffin or the thing that kicks it all off. Bring that on. I want more of that. Mm-hmm. I want more haunted board games in my life. So, in this movie, she draws a... I think uh, she draws the card and it's Ready or Not, so she has to play hide and seek. Mm-hmm. How many different games did they say they have? Like, what were the options? Because Ready or Not was the only one that would you know, she could die from. The rest are just like, eh, we just play chess. Well, that's right. The the one of the other one of the other husbands or wives is like my game was old maid, my game was Chinese checkers, and the hide and seek has only ever been pulled once before, and that was for the aunt's wedding, which is we see in that flashback. Hmm. And I'm going to jump ahead here because there was something I realized in the rewatch that I want to talk about. So, spoiler warning to anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, the reason the aunt's wedding and this one both picked this card is because they actually had true love and a decent person joining the family that the devil couldn't corrupt. Okay. Because ah. think about the two in-laws that have been married into the family thus far and survived with checkers and old maid. <laughs> They're pieces yep. of shit. <laughs> yeah. They're people that would just so willingly agree to this pact with the devil without <laughs> blinking an eye, which is even stated, that they're, the devil's like, yeah, they're, they're on board, bring them in. <laughs> where Samara Weaving's character, too much of a good lass, can't be doing it, has to kill her. Because he, she generally, what she wants out of the wedding is she wants a family because she's never had one. Yes, which, which was, is, oh my God. Oh, just nailing the theme out of its face too, where it's like, what she wants is a family. What she actually needs is to realise she's okay on her own. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. And it's doubly brilliant because it also explains why none of her family are at the wedding and she is yep. by herself in this scenario. So it serves multiple purposes. I think that I thought I was on the rewatch again. I just thought that was brilliant. It's the um, it's it, what I love is I love a movie, and it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Is a movie called Thank You for Smoking, um, and the central yes. conceit of that is uh, that uh, Aaron Eckhart's character is a spin doctor for a cigarette company, and they're trying to make cigarettes cool again. So they're going to start putting them back in movies, so that like instead of having just villains smoke them, they're going to have like Catherine Zeta Jones and Brad Pitt having sex in space and and smoking cigarettes. Mm. And there's a point in the movie where one of the producers for the film they're going to make is like, 
wait a minute, but you can't smoke in space. You'll you'll die and explode. And someone else is like, yeah, you know, we just have like a line in the script that's like, thank God for the whatever machine and bang, they're smoking away. <laughs> and I love that as a concept. In this film, the explanation is so well, like so well done and signposted so early that it makes everything mm. that happens after it so easy to just cop. Like you're like, this is just yeah. like, it's a ridiculous, it is a ridiculous concept because we set up early on yeah. that she has no other family all she wants is a family. That's why she's agreed to this wedding so early. Um, we've already set up that something weird happens in that little prologue. And then the fact that the family just have this weird ritual. By the time mm. the weird shit starts happening, you're like, oh, no, nah, this is acceptable. Yes, exactly right. It's such a tight movie too. Yeah, yeah, great call. What What is the runtime? Like it's it's definitely oh, under two hours. time on the case. And also what I was thinking before is... Oh. You could pair this as like a great double feature with Knives Out. They just kind of like even aesthetically yeah, kind of feel the big quite mansion, similar. The the that sort of aesthetic is really yeah yeah. And there is something so alluring about it. and the and the generally the pieces of shit that fill these giant mansions like the, the rich are always pretty cunty. Well, I was just about <laughs> to say <laughs> that last year was obviously the year for incredible films in which the core concept was rich people are fuckheads. Yeah. So you had Knives Out, you had Ready or Not, then you had Parasite. All in my all in my top five of the movies from last year. Yeah, where the core conceit of it is: if you have money, you're an inhuman cunt. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of the house, there's a fact I read uh, while researching this movie that the house has been used in another movie back in the '90s. Do you guys reckon you can guess what movie this house has been used in before? I'll give you a clue. It was a comedy from the '90s. Um, comedy with like. Horror elements, Damo? Zero horror elements. Okay. 1995. I was going to guess Casper. Oh, that would have been a good guess, but no. It's a it's a way dumber movie than, oh, okay. <laughs> than what you're thinking. 95. Yeah. And it's not my a, next guess. Like, my next guess would have been Matilda, but that's I don't consider that a dumber movie, so it's no, not that one. No, you need to think dumb comedy, my friend. Oh, oh like 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 dumb and dumber. Good, but no. But you're in, in that- close to the ballpark. So it's it, the main thing is the main oh, plot line oh, is. I've got a- it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Is it? Is it? Is it? Um, Billy Madison. Is it his dad's mansion? It is Billy, Billy Madison. Madison. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's wow. the pool. The pool that did it. Right. Good one. That's what's up. Ah. I thought that was wonderful. I also read. Fucking detective. I also read that. Um, they this this house was like filled with like candelabras and this sort of thing, except. They didn't. They only had five candelabras in the house, so they had to keep moving them from room to room every time they wanted to film candelabras in a different room. They would have to drag these massive candelabras around the house oh, to film wow. it. All. Oh, that's good. That's very good. That is good, right? So I also want to talk about this. This movie starts off really well, Tom. You talked before about how the conceit is obviously dumb, but we just get drawn into it. And I think it does it. I think it does it because of the humor. I was thinking about this, like. The start, we have the masks on, and it's all sort of very classic rich people horror murdering poor people or whatever it is. And then so quickly, it it uses the comedy. Like, when they're using the old weapons, and they have the crossbow, and the brother-in-law is on the dunny looking up a YouTube video of how to use a crossbow... Brilliant, because it's calling attention to the fact that this is ridiculous while also giving us a good chuckle. <laughs> it's one of my favourite beats in it, and I was talking with um, my housemate Adam about it because he watched it. I bought it on DVD. I haven't rewatched it again, uh, but he rewatched it recently, watched it recently for the first time. 
And he was like, his favourite bit in the whole movie is when they find the third maid who has been murdered by the dumbwaiter. Yes. And the guy, the, the patriarch of the family, the dad is just like, she's picking herself one by one. Yeah. And he's like, they are A, literally doing that to her, but also all three maids have died because of the family. She right. hasn't killed a single person at this point. <laughs> yeah. Two of them were killed by the one dumb cocaine-addled <laughs> sister. She's great, she's, sister. She's fantastic. <laughs> oh. She is superb. She's superb. The, the whiny voice she gets when she kills the second man, she goes, why does this keep happening to me? It's just fantastic. Like The fact she's constantly almost crying because she's no good at killing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so good. I love the whole family. I love Adam Brody's character a lot, actually. I think he does a lot to sort of um, carry their side of the film because not only is he... He can bring the comedy because he's so cynical and over his family. And it's even good because we actually know why. We know his scar, which is that when he was a kid, we see in those first few shots, when he was a kid, he protected his younger brother and told his family where his soon-to-be uncle was and they all came and slaughtered him in front of him. So I love that he's got this cynicism, but it also keeps us guessing which side of the fence he's going to fall on. Yeah, yeah. Which works so well because realistically, he actually jumps back and forth across that fence a number of times throughout this movie. So whenever he keeps finding Samara weaving, you really don't know which way it's going to play. I even I find his, his scenes with his wife are really interesting too because they, they just both, they play it really well. They just fucking hate each other. And it's just very open. They're just like, yeah. Yeah. She's great. They're, she is great. And they've just accepted it. And I love because he was the one that was Adam Brody said to his wife. Uh, he talked about how easily she accepted this pact with the devil and how easily she accepted this ridiculous over the top concept where they have to hail Satan and kill goats and then kill people. And I love that too, because again, it draws attention to the ridiculousness of the premise. And if it's that thing where if they can call it out before the audience can, then it works. Yeah. Then it works just fine. We go. We keep going along with it. No worries. But I mean, it's believable too that billionaires kill, make sacrifices to gods from beyond wherever to stay rich. Like I 100% believe in my half that Jeff Bezos is sacrificing a fucking cow in his basement as we speak <laughs> to keep Amazon <laughs> afloat. Yes. I can get behind that too. Yeah. Zuckerberg's killed some livestock. Fuck. He met some creepy dude on a boat once and they oh. <laughs> gave him a deck of cards. <laughs> Are you telling me that Mark Zuckerberg has never uttered the phrase, ah, yes, man, the greatest game of all? Of course he has. He's a psychopath. <laughs> of course he has. Look at his dead little rodent eyes. Of course he has. (laughs) That's why you make money, yeah? What other reason? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And then another thing while we're on that, I really, really loved how much uh, we didn't, we generally didn't know if it was all real or if it was all absolute bullshit. And it, it sums it up perfectly when the, the useless brother-in-law who the whole time has been not even trying, he's just waiting for it to be over to the point that one point he runs in and says, is it over? And he's just very happy because he's been hiding in the toilet the whole time. But there's one point where, so one, he's on the phone all the time. There's one point where he's messaging one of his bros that's hilarious. Uh, and then there's another point where he he types in, packs with the devil, real or bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> just wonderful. But even even that last beat where they finally sort of get to that final moment where the, 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 the husband has betrayed her and has chosen the family over mm-hmm. her, which is really well done too. They seed that throughout yes. it because you, the whole way through you're like, he's going to try to help her get out. It's up to Brody whether Brody is going to help him or support the family again. Mm-hmm. But then the minute he does that turn, and it's so well executed where he thinks that she's killed the older brother yeah. and the mum, and it's like he's a... She's a piece of shit. She's not part of the family, and that that beat immediately afterwards, where they're all like, "Oh, oh, it's uh, it's it's bullshit." So we just we just tried to kill this girl for no reason, yeah. <laughs> and then you get possibly the greatest sequence in a movie last year. That's a big call. It's pretty good. Rewatching it, I would say it's it's they deliver it perfectly. Like the timing of it is so crucial, where not only are they the 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 family putting question onto if it was all real or bullshit. But so are the audience. It gets to the point where you were like, okay, it's definitely bullshit. It is definitely bullshit up until the auntie, who of course is the ultimate zealot because she has to be because she literally murdered her husband, goes to kill Samara Weaving. And that's when the devil's like, no, 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 you don't get to kill her. (laughs) She won and blows her up into a (laughs) bloody spray of gore. It is divine. And then the way they all know, all the family like look at each other, they look at her. And there is nothing they can do. I yep. think there's there's two points. There's one where the the useless Coke sister runs out with the two kids and we see splat, splat, splat of the three of them against the wall. <laughs> Sorry, the fucking just, kids die. Which <laughs> is so awful. And I like kind of like that they actually set up that we kind of hated the kids a bit. Oh, yeah, they're pieces one. of shit. Don't worry about oh, them. Yeah. Pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did well because it's like basically it showed that they were so indoctrined already in the satanic of it all that there was no hope for them mm-hmm. so yeah they need to explode into a bloody gore just like the rest of them uh. and then holding off the the husband to the very end where he's begging her he's pleading with her and i really like that because even before he turned even before she thought she killed his brother we knew there was doubt in him the mother kind of proved that when she gave her little speech when he's tied to the bed but even before that he didn't have to marry her no or he could have been honest with her yeah. about the whole situation. Right? What a fuckhead. Like he's a piece of shit. What Heck a fuckhead. Him. That's the most annoying thing about him is that what they weren't together that long, were they? It was like a year and a half. And like you don't you don't have to ma- if there's any doubt in your mind that this thing could be real, this this devil thing, don't bring her don't marry her. Yeah. You can be with her without marrying her. He's a piece of shit. He's a massive piece of shit. I fucking hate him. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and he clearly did believe it because the part of the pact is they have to get married at that house. Yeah. So he could have married her anywhere. He chose to do it at that house. He chose to follow all the rules because there was enough doubt in him that it was all real and he was going to die if he didn't. Yeah. So he's a selfish piece of shit. Hmm. Yeah. And then even the way he explodes just as she throws the ring and the ring hits him <laughs> and then he pops like a balloon. Just yeah. wonderful. Cheeky devil. It, that's got that great, that great fucking throwaway, you know, badass last woman standing kind of line of, I want a divorce is the line. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. And I kind of love a movie that knows that its lead is badass and kind of that there are some sort of potentially iconic moments. There's a, there's the point where she's she rips off the base of her dress. She's already a bit bloody. She's got the shotgun with all the shells around her. She looks down at herself and just sort of up in a mirror or something like that and just is like, fuck. Yeah. This is just like, yeah, you're like a fucking badass. You're a, you're a bride who's had to tear off her bloody dress and is now going hunting through a mansion. You're badass. It's good. It's good. So we had a, definitely had a very good time with this movie. So I do, I do need to ask, did she act wisely or foolishly? Pretty good. Pretty good she job by very her. wisely. There's probably only yeah. like the one point. I was thinking about it today. It's when he gives her the directions and then immediately she fucks up and goes the wrong way. But then I thought, if That's I'm in that situation, point. it's very justifiable that that she would get confused. There's a lot of information and people yeah. are trying to kill her. So that's that's fine. I think she acts pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I even like at the st- like her reactions right from the get go when when he's telling her and he's a bit intense. We got to play this game. It's a, it's family. You know they're going to do it. They have to do it every time. Midnight. We have to do it at midnight. And she's sort of like joking along. She's playing along. She even raises the toast to the devil guy i can't remember his name now and then even when she's i love it when she's like tiptoeing down the hallway (laughs) kind of giggling to herself because she's not taking it seriously at all yet meanwhile we obviously know we are already well and truly attuned to the fact that this is bad news and even when she gets in the dumb waiter she's killing time she talks to herself about um she's like oh what did you do on your wedding night well Mm. i played a game with the family in the dumb waiter and then at one point she just goes fuck this and gets out of the dumb waiter and, like, you're pulling out your hair because, of course, this is really bad news. But, of course, why would she believe it? Mm. Yeah. Up until she does, which is when, obviously, yeah, he pulls her beside the bed. We see the first maid get shot wonderfully. And then and then they she drags him into that scene you talked about, Carney, where they're in that sort of that, hall, that ba- hallway in the middle of the house. And the terror on her face as he's trying to explain the instructions of what to do is so believable. And he even says to her, now, where do you need to go? And she kind of half stammers it out. She's still in just blind shock. Yeah. She gets it right when she stammers it out, but it's done so well that, of course, a minute later when she takes the wrong turn, you just 100% believe it. Because, of yeah. course, as if anything's tracking at that point. I think, I think that the best measure that we know she's doing the right thing is that she learns. And I like this in a, in a hero, a horror hero, is that she learns. She's like, right, so she's scared shitless to start with, but as the movie progresses, she adapts and she adjusts that didn't work or try this and she gets more and more like aggressive in her approach she's prepared to attack people hit people shoot people and it escalates to you know she gets a nail through her hand that doesn't fucking bother her that scene fucking mm. killed me but you know oh that's fuck she's she's able to to keep going and I, you know that's what we want if you want to survive a horror film you got to fucking learn yeah i think you're right tom because she actually does adapt pretty well pretty quickly and again not too unbelievably to the point where you're you're removed from the film. 
But um, yeah, as soon as she grabs the shotgun, <laughs> which I also love that that doesn't work, that they're just empty shells, because it's kind <laughs> of like, of course they are. Um, but as soon as she does that, she's in full warrior mode, and I, that must be the midpoint or something, I'm assuming. But I do like mm. that she sort of achieves that before that second act turn. It's not like we have to wait the third act before she becomes a badass. No, she actually does that somewhere in the middle. But let's go back to that scene for a minute where she's in the goat house and the boy shoots her in the hand and she falls down into a pit of horror of all the dead goats and one dead body, at least one dead body. And then they do that thing where we see the nail at the top of the pit. (sighs) Bloody quiet place. I haven't been that stressed about a nail since that fucking movie. Yes. And it's, but the thing is, it's not the point of the nail. It's, it's the thick end of the nail. And we know she's got a fresh hole in her hand. Ugh. And so your brain's going two plus two equals, ah, oh, fuck. She's got to do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then even the scream she rips out when that, when that hole goes over the nail and she's basically because then the ladder snaps out from under her she's basically holding on through the hole in her hand it's just the fucking worst but also wonderful I feel a bit unwell (laughs) (laughs) a hole in the hand is like the worst thing that can happen to a hero other than other than them being killed I think the hole in the hand is bad it's like, how do you stop thinking about it? Is my mm. like, I, as the movie progressed, she kind of wrapped it up in some of her dress, and she was sort of cradling it throughout. But the whole time, I was thinking, "No, nah, that's me done." All I'd be think worried about is the fucking giant hole in my hand. I wouldn't be able to focus did on she, anything else. Did she take any pills? I don't think so. Far. Oh, out. I think she does. I think she did. I think she took. I, I don't know where she got them from. Probably when she goes back in the house, yeah, she, she takes- took like some sort of pain relief thing or something. Because I reckon I would take something. Out. I don't know whether it's something she steals from the sister or. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Just does a that bunch of cocaine. Sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just does heaps of cocaine. <laughs> but I, what I also really like about the hole in the hand, it's a great example of, especially for for a horror trope, really punishing your characters before they get the win, physically yeah. as well as emotionally. So obviously yep. she's been emotionally damaged because her whole world's been turned upside down and people are trying to kill her. But then she has to literally get. I feel like that's her only other second mistake. The only time she doesn't act wisely is when she immediately trusts the little boy, which I suppose you would, but at that yeah. point, I don't know, would you risk it? I think she's operating under a fair assumption, though, because then after that point, she stops trusting the family completely. Mm. That's true. And then I also like that following that is the scene where she has to push through the, the gate. First, she has to snap off a bit of the yeah. metal and push her way through, which there's that that chunk of metal that's just cutting into her back. And I love that because it's basically like until you give up uh, your pound of flesh, you're not going to make it. Unless you're willing to take those licks, you're not going to survive in this world. Oh, yep. I don't know how I would go. (laughs) We'll get to that. (laughs) So, yeah, look, I think it's fair to say she she acted wisely. She did everything she could to escape the situation. I think, yeah, really just that one mistake you mentioned, Tom, uh, but otherwise, yeah, she did She did very well. I especially like when she's um, after the butler or whoever it is uh, gets her out in the forest and puts her in the back of the car. And there's that great scene where he's triumphant. He's called the family on, on video <laughs> chat. Yeah. And he's got the music on and he's conducting to the music and he's so proud of himself. And then we see her waking up in the back. The family sees her waking up in the back and he's like yelling out to the butler. She's, you know, fucking turn around, you dickhead. And then she just goes for him and makes him crash the car. 
That is wonderful. That is a beautiful piece of cinema. <laughs> he's like a Terminator, that bloke. He's fucking unstoppable. Yeah, he keeps going, doesn't he? Yeah. Which I kind of I kind of love. I love a butler who's so dedicated to his job and his family, who definitely don't appreciate him, that he will just keep going and giving everything he's got. Yeah, he's kind of like Alfred, but a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to the part we've been waiting for. How would we handle ourselves in this scenario? I reckon I'd be oh. fucked. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, do I? If I have to go through the same level of pain, I reckon. Okay, boys, I will say this though: this film is operating to one of our greatest strengths: hiding. Okay, <laughs> we've been training for this. We forever. don't actually have to. We don't. We're the kind of scaredy boys who, unlike Samara Weaving, we would hear that this is serious, and you know, you've got to hide. And I'd be like, you know what? It's it's true. We need to fucking hide until dawn. And I would hide until yeah. dawn. Tom, that is a wonderful point. You have raised a wonderful point because there's the the dad. She asked the dad when he's explaining the rules of the game. She's like, "Can I win?" And he says, "Oh, if you hide out till dawn." And she does that chuckle and says, "No, thank you." We would be like, "Great, I'll do that. I'll do that. Good. No worries." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I know how to play the game. Wonderful. Because I think at the wedding, I'd take one look at the grandma. Or was it the auntie? You know, the old. It was just yeah. the death stare, and I'd be like, something's cooked here. Yeah. If she wants to play a game, no thanks. I'll hide till morning. <laughs> you're right, Tom. I think you're yeah. right. I think we would be okay. Yeah. Provided provided we, we pass the first hurdle. It's just where would you hide, though? Well, I'm sure there'd be somewhere good to hide. Not the dumb waiter. That's a bad place. It is a mansion. So many options. I think you're right. I think hiding is, is definitely key, because every time she's not hiding... Is when she's getting trouble. So at the start, where she just doesn't know any better, so she's literally just walking the grounds. But then even later, when it's it's always when she's like doing a, a desperate run across the grass to get to the next point that someone spots her and they're after her again. Yeah, well, we wouldn't be doing that. We'd be crawled up in whatever little nook we could find ourselves, hiding out with the cobwebs and dust until morning came. Yep, hard agree. I I reckon if we, if if any of us had to go through the trauma we'd be in trouble, but I think if we were just hiding we'd be okay. I do I do want to bring something up. So if all three of us were together in this game, all all three of us have to go hide somewhere. Tom, I need to ask, would you betray us? Or would would you would you say let's hide together so we can all watch each other's backs? Or would you be like I'm on my own catches? I think I think I don't think I I don't think I could betray you because I think that's not how the rules work. I think if I betray you, I'm kind of cursing myself. I think we're all in this together in this one. All right, um, great. We found a scenario where Tom has to stay loyal. We got him. He's back. <laughs> He's back. Unless baby. I'm you're marrying into my family, in which case I'd kill you both so quick. Oh man. <laughs> okay. I feel like we'd all be hiding like in the roof and Tom would just like be texting. The phone would be in his pocket and he'd be just firing off messages <laughs> about where we are. <laughs> yeah. You got trader written all over you, mate. But can I just say I'll tell you what, Tom, I can imagine you just shoot you'd shoot the devil that cheeky little wink. You're on his team. I don't trust you. <laughs> Who do you think taught me how to wink, Sean? Oh fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> no, I will say Dead. this though. I would I would not band so like I will I will band myself to a malevolent entity if it means I I'm I'm safe and kill you both. But I wouldn't probably band myself to a bunch of rich assholes because I can't trust them. Because <laughs> that's your line. Yeah. Like, I could I could trust the devil because I know what he's going to do, you know? Whereas the rich people, they don't care about me. But the devil, if I... There, there are terms, you know? There are an mm. agreement. He's very... He follows the law. He's a contract to fulfil. Look, you're fair because he does give Samara that 
that cheeky little nod at the end that says, I approve. Yeah, <laughs> you, you passed my test. Well done. You're free to go. Yeah. It does worry me that you are seeking the devil's approval, Tom, but let's look past that. Well. <laughs> so the real, the real win here is just to be as cowardly as possible and hide as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yep. Right. yeah. I'm happy. Okay. I think we'll survive. I like our chances there. I think if, if we got found and we had to actually defend ourselves, sure, we're going to die. That's a given. Mm. But if, if the whole game is to hide, I think, I think we're, we're in with a winner. We're pretty good. This this movie maybe we enjoyed this movie so much because we could do it. Yeah, true. yeah. If the hiding part failed, burn the house to the ground. You know what? I reckon burn the house as soon as we like. What's our knowledge here? Do we we don't know that they're trying to kill us. Well, I guess we're in a similar position to her, where at the start, no, but then pretty quickly into the game, yeah, something happens that we figure yeah. it out. I think um, rather than one of the maids getting killed. For us to figure it out, I think one of us probably takes a bullet. <laughs> and then, as soon as one of us takes a bullet, it's just all right. Initiate fire. Sounds and good. Then we just burn the Sounds house. Sounds good. And, st- and steal the butler's car. Well, I actually have a story that I think I've just remembered that I think oh. means at least I will be fine. So here's the story. So I grew up in Taralgon in the country. My parents had six acres. This big, sprawling, kind of wild property that was meant to be a farm, but my parents did not take good enough care of it. And I've got a big family. My dad's one of nine. So every year on Labor Day, all my family would come, extended family would come to ours. It'd be like 60, 70 robs at our house. And all the cousins would play uh, hide and seek Tiggy at night. Yep. So pretty good setup to this situation. And there was one year where I went and found myself a ripper of a hiding spot in a bush, lads, in a big, prickly, very uncomfortable bush. And I, th- I think it was my cousin Dom who, after like, a th- let's say two hours, but it could have even been longer, of me hiding in this bush, was doing the rounds around the whole property because no one knew where I was, calling out my name, telling me the game was over. I had won. You need to come out now. And I refused because I'm like, nope, it's a trick. I know these <laughs> games. I'm saying right where I am. Thank you. I've got the best hiding spot. No one's ever finding me. So you won? Oh, mate, I won for the century. I don't think we ever played again after that. <laughs> <laughs> you demoralized your entire family to the point that they gave up on hide and seek forever. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll tell you what, Damo, that, that's a scaredy boy that will survive this film. Yeah, well done, mate. I've never been so arrogant <laughs> in my cowardice. It's actually, it's quite a good feeling. <laughs> Cowardly <laughs> arrogance, it's good. <laughs> and that's all the scaredy talk we have for this episode. I've been Damien. I've been Sean. And I've been Tom. And if you scaredy listeners have any comments about this episode or stories of your own where you're being awful cowards or just like to say hi, you can email us at threescaredboys at gmail.com or find us on Twitter. I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. And I'm at Awkward Trade. Stay scared, everyone.